calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lightspeed. Welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. Here at Lightspeed, we are excited to publish this special issue. Queers Destroy Science Fiction. We brought on a team of queer creators to guest edit and write all of the content for this issue, led by our guest editor, best-selling author, Seanan McGuire, and including a guest host for the podcast, me, Cecil Baldwin. It is an honor and a delight to bring Lightspeed Magazine to you in this special celebration of quilt bag creators, writing and editing short science fiction. If you enjoy these podcasts and would like to learn more about the Destroy projects, including where you can purchase the whole issue in ebook or trade paperback format, please visit destroysf.com/queers. Us queers know that words have power. Power in their meaning and in their usage. The power to build, to destroy, to inspire, and also the power to revenge. Melioration by E. Saxe Narrated by Paul Bamer Gramophone music crackles out over the quad. Read that last part again, Jay, Professor Norris says. I raise my voice. They has been used as a singular pronoun since Chaucer. Whoso findeth him... A champagne cork pops. The drinkers cheer. I can't compete. Oh, for goodness sake! You don't approve? asks the prof. This college isn't a theme park. True, but it survives in the present partly by preserving traditions. Uh, financially, I mean. She leans back in her leather captain's chair by her mahogany desk. She has a point. Take lectures. The printing press made them irrelevant. The internet makes them ludicrous, but the students expect them. 
But least you can learn from lectures. What can you learn from balls? Or from rowing, or from wearing tweed and riding a tandem? After my tutorial, I wander out into the quad, flooded with sunlight set in aspic. Striding towards me is Petheridge, pink and massive, fresh from competing on the river, or possibly from a portal that has transported him ninety years through time. I shrink into a doorway. Ninety years ago, I wouldn't have been at this college at all, cluttering the quad with my breasts, my bespoke pronouns and my socialist leanings. On a collision course with Petheridge, marches Morley, a Weasley chap in black. Morley could easily be Petheridge's nemesis. Morley loves his gleaming white neuroscience lab just up the road and chafes at the Tweedy tandem riders. He plays elaborate pranks on them, which is a perverse revenge because antiquarians love pranking. To my surprise, Morley flings his arm around Petheridge's shoulders, as far as he can get it. I didn't think they were friends. Morley wouldn't see the need for rowing, a pre-industrial form of propulsion to satisfy a Neolithic display of strength. Bugger off, Morley, old chap, snarls Petheridge, displaying the antiquarian's idiolect. He ploughs forwards, pretty much lifting Morley off his feet. Fuck off, Morley! Don't be a bloody... Slur one. I can't tell if Petheridge adopts these outdated terms deliberately, or if his school and his family never set them aside. Get your... Slur one. Hands off me, you bloody... Slur two. I perform a quick genuflection to the idea of latency. Maybe Petheridge is as queer as I am. Maybe he's had the whole rowing team and feels terrible about it. And that's why he uses these words. But I feel my chest tighten. Ah, ouch! Slur three. I imagine transcribing him, annotating him, giving him a scratching pseudonym in an academic journal article. Morley drops to the ground at last. Petheridge strides out of sight and Morley limps towards me, grinning. Got him. Got him? He was wearing you like a satchel. Morley holds up a grey box, palm-sized, opalescent plastic. I've got him in here. I've recorded fifteen words, and I've stolen at least four of them. He slumps onto a bench. What? I sit down as well because my heart is pounding. It's infuriating to be so shaken by insults not even directed at me. I place my fabulous inventions like so. Morley shoves the box at my face and I duck away. He holds it to the base of his own skull instead. I record the brain activity during various utterances. Then, zip, I take out those particular words, numb those neurons. That's not how words work. That's not how brains work. Jay, which of us knows more about brains? Well, it makes no sense. If you'd studied linguistics, ow! He's swooped in, pressed the box to my exposed neck. I feel a sharp nip on my spine. What were you saying? That's not how language works. And what's the study of language called? He smirks. It's... It's on the tip of my tongue, the dark of the moon, the back of beyond. The word's gone. Ha! Swiped it out of your tiny, doubting head. My heart redoubles. You've taken the word for what I study, what I want to study for years. Oh, don't get huffy, it wears off, like pins and needles. I picture delicate webs of language, 
of neurons torn and fluttering. You arsehole! I thought you'd be grateful. It's the moral arc of the universe, Jay. Now Petheridge can't call you a slur one. He's wielding the discourse of social justice, but it's clumsy, like a man fending off a bear with a deck chair. I walk unsteadily away from him. I reach for the word as I go. And don't find it. I still don't believe in the pearly grey box. It must be a hypnotist's trick. I stay up late. Every half hour I try to say it. My mind scrabbles around like a hand at the bottom of an empty bag. At four in the morning, suddenly, the word is there again. Linguistics! I say aloud. And fall asleep. In the morning, on the stairs, I meet two women on their way back from a ball. They're wearing flapper frocks, hugging and stumbling. Petheridge pushes past them. Mind out, you bloody... <sighs> he reaches for a slur, and it isn't there. His face gets stuck at the apex of a yawn. He closes his mouth and scowls. The women laugh. His brain hasn't been washed. The concept he wants is still there. The hateful threads are flapping in the breeze, trying to knit themselves together again. But this means that Morley's box truly works. So I have to report it. I knock on Professor Norris's door and unpack my heart. Is this a free speech issue? Is it about moral justice? I'm trying to make a difficult decision. Should I tell someone? Oh, I'll do that, the professor says. I'll take it to the dean right away. It sounds like criminal assault. She notices my crestfallen, post-heroic sulk. We can talk about it later. For now, just do something relaxing. Go to a ball, Jay. A week later, as instructed, I enter a marquee on the college lawns. A rumour passes around the punch bowl. Morley has been sent down from college. He's sworn he'll take his genius to America. White boys and black tie mutter, what's old Morley done? I don't stick my oar into the debate. Petheridge wanders over in the half-light. Hello there. He stares at his shoes. He could be queer, I thought. It would make a neat ending. The dean wouldn't say who dobbed Morley in, but it was you, wasn't it? I shrug. Thanks for that. You're all right. Then he lurches towards me. Someone has cannoned into his back. Another face grimaces over Petheridge's shoulder, like he's sprouted a second head. Petheridge yells in pain, shouts for his friends to help him. A roll call of posh names. Tom, Jasper, oi, Amelia! The attacker is Morley and I seize him round the knees, lacking strength or skill. I simply slump until we both fall onto the muddy ground. I sit and watch sturdy men from campus security take Morley away. A floral dress stands over me. You're covered in mud. Sorry, I say. Petheridge helps me up and gestures at the floral woman. This is... my fiancée. He nods at me. This is Jay. They're studying... Is it English? Linguistics. Lightheaded from the fight, I'm touched by Petheridge bothering to use the right pronoun. I'll get you both some towels. His fiancée offers, competent in a crisis. Thanks. 
The exaggerated yawn freezes him again. Thanks, darling. I realize Morley has taken one last word from Petheridge. Still, it won't last forever. Now I've been away from college for twenty years, I don't judge the antiquarians so harshly. I should have punted more, and danced. I wish I'd made notes on their mangled slang. I don't tell anyone about my experience with that prototype brain number. Years of linguistic research still suggest to me that words don't work that way. But Morley did devise an electrical treatment for aphasia in the States, as he'd threatened. I don't tell anyone I knew Petheridge, who may become Prime Minister. He's forsworn using Slur 3 and Slur 4 in his speeches, but his dog-whistle phrases carry the same messages. I feel a queasy sympathy for him, because Morley's little box has robbed him. He always credits Amelia's support, is always affectionate. My dear wife, he says, and my beloved wife, sometimes playfully, Mrs. Petheridge. You wouldn't notice the tick unless you were looking for it. He must have said it once. After all, they did get married, although interviews revealed to me that they eloped to a private ceremony on a Scottish island. I picture the two of them in a tiny stone chapel. At Petheridge's first attempt, his face halts in a long yawn. He stops. The second time, he slowly recites a phonetic chain of syllables, sounds which approximate to the name of his wife. And welcome back. You just heard Melioration by E. Saxe, narrated by Paul Bamer. The story first appeared in Lightspeed's Queers Destroy Science Fiction special issue and appears here by permission of the author. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to read more great science fiction stories, you'll find them every month in Lightspeed. If you're not already a subscriber, check out our many options at lightspeedmagazine.com slash subscribe. Our podcast is normally produced by Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast. They're headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators, Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Our special issues podcasts were produced by actor and veteran audiobook narrator Paul Bamer, in association with Skyboat Media. Music and sound logos are composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Post-production is in association with Jim Freund. If you're interested in more great audio fiction, check out Lightspeed's audiobook anthology, Lightspeed, Year One. It includes all of the podcasts from Lightspeed's first year. The collection is available on both audible.com and downpour.com. Just search for Lightspeed and you're on your way. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Lightspeed Magazine. This is Cecil Baldwin signing off until next time. Thanks for listening. Lightspeed.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.